Hi, this is Carl Polachek. Welcome to another SMB Community Podcast. I'm joined once again by Rayanne Buccianico. Welcome, welcome, welcome. How are you? Thank you very much. I'm very well and, and happy to be here. So I want to talk to you, if you can, about all of the total refresh going on over at Sell My MSP. But first, why don't you tell people who you are and how you got here? Oh, so um, hi, everybody. My name's Rayanne Buccianico. Uh, I'm the owner of uh, ABC Solutions. We're out of Clearwater, Florida. And I'm also a partner in Sell My MSP, which is a listing service matching uh, buyers and sellers of IT firms uh, to get together and you know, make a purchase. All right. So uh, d d here's a question, because you, were, you, were, you didn't say MSP. So is it all IT firms or is it just MSPs that you help to match up for buying and selling? So that's a great question because there's so much movement going on in the M&A world right now. And you have larger IT firms and smaller MSPs and, you know, a mix and match of all of these different types of IT firms. So we are not limited to just MSPs or IT firms. Um, we are helping some of the larger buyers find some of the smaller MSPs and we're helping some of the smaller MSPs find a buyer, whether it's another MSP to merge with or to uh, eat them up um, or, you know, get acquired by a larger firm. And there's so, a lot um, of larger firms out there. Um, so any, any size doesn't matter. Um, are you finding a lot of larger uh, MSPs or larger firms are uh, actually out there gobbling up the little guys? There are quite a few big uh, technology companies out there. And I don't want to spoil it by giving out names, but <laughs> you probably already know who they are that are out there. Um, they are looking to buy up IT firms or MSPs throughout the United States and Canada because they want to gain a foot in the market. And so, so they, they all think that they're going to take over all the MSPs in the world and then raise their prices, right? <laughs> I don't know what their ultimate plan is, but I, I, I'm sure that it has something to do with that. And there is an awful lot of activity for, um, you know, and they seem to be going after the, the smaller to mid-sized firms, not so much the large, large firms. On the other hand, we have some sellers that are, you know, trying to bulk up so that they can get the, uh, gain the attention of some of the larger IT firms and you know, sell for a nice fee. So there's a lot of movement in the M&A market right now. Right, so um, you have also refreshed your website and that's not just a new coat of paint. There's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes. So uh, first of all, what is the website? So folks can go there and follow along while they're playing at home. The website is sellmymsp.com. And my partner, Amy Babinchek, has done a fabulous job of give, giving it a new coat of paint. But even more than that, what we are trying to do is make it a little bit more autonomous for our listings. Uh, so if you want to sell your firm, you can do so anonymously put your listing in, pay your fee, and then you can manage your listing and have it say whatever you want it to say. And uh, we handle the NDAs. We uh, find you the buyers. 
and we bring the buyers in, we make sure that they sign, you know, an NDA before we connect the two of you together. And then we exchange uh, contact information and then all of the communication happens through you. So you can now, you know, decide whether or not you want to get an attorney involved. You can use some of our checklists, our forms. We're here to help, but we are not going to try to broker the deal. All right. So, so you're not a business broker. You're a matching service. You're the, the OK Cupid of sell my MSP, right? <laughs> MSP Harmony, I call it. MSP Harmony. There you go. <laughs> yeah, no copyright violation there. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, okay. So now, before I noticed that a lot of people didn't want to be listed because buyers didn't want to know that. Uh, people were out there, you know, that, that that they were out there trying to buy people and sellers didn't want to be listed because they didn't want their clients and sometimes their employees to know that they were for sale. Is that still the case? That is still the case and you can still list yourself anonymously. So you may tell us who you are, but anybody on the internet just looking at the listings or looking at the list of buyers will not know who you are until the uh, initial contact is made. All right. So, so how do you actually get them together? Like, let's say, you know, just randomly that I'm in Sacramento. Uh, I've got some stuff for sale. Somebody wants to buy a company in Sacramento. How, how do, like, we each log into your service, but we don't see each other. No. So what you do is you sign up as either a buyer or a seller, and you are now listed on our site. And then we start to promote you. We, we promote your listing and we find the interested sellers or we find the interested buyers and then we make the connection. Everybody gets an NDA, they sign, we make the initial connection, you know, Bob meet Joe, Joe meet Bob, please, you know, talk amongst yourselves. All right. And so you charge uh, a fee for this. Do you, do you charge the buyers more than the sellers? Nope. It is one it is one fee. It's a one-time fee of $500 to get yourself listed on our website. And that does not expire. We're not going to charge your accounts every year. You know, it's a one-time fee and it's just to get yourself listed. So one-time fee, does that mean if I'm a buyer, I pay 500 bucks, I can gobble up six different companies or do I have to register each time and, and pay 500 times six? Oh, that's a good question. I'm not sure it's one that we've, you know, really, we have not run into that, you know, so it's one of those, one of those bridges we haven't yet crossed. So if somebody starts to gobble up all of our listings, then um, we may change that, but I doubt it. You know, you've, you've paid your listing fee and you are now listed on the site as a qualified buyer. Um, I, I don't know that we can just come back around and say, well, you're buying too many, so pay us some more. That's, <laughs> that's not a good business practice for us. <laughs> Very good. So um, now you had a valuation tool. So part of the revamp is that that's also been revamped. What's, what's new in the new and improved valuation tool? So it's not yet live, but it's just about to go live. Um, if you go to sumamsp.com right now, you will see what might my business be worth. And there's a little link that you can click on, put in some basic information about your revenues. And 
uh, and a value or a potential value will spit out at you right on the screen. I found over the years that while that valuation tool was okay, it was lacking in detail. And what I wanted to do is build something that was a little bit more uh, comprehensive. So yes, I'm still doing evaluation based on gross revenue, but then I've also uh, expanded that to include a potential valuation based on gross profits and a potential value based on uh, EBITDA. And so this new worksheet encompasses all three, then takes an average to give you a probable value across three different valuation methods. I thought that was a little bit more comprehensive and something closer to reliable than, uh, than just the simple valuation tool that I created a few years ago. Right, so for folks who don't know you, <laughs> let's, let's take a tiny step back and say, okay, so who are you that you should be qualified to talk to me about gross profit and EBITDA and, uh, you know, all these other things? <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> That's my, I'm practicing my slow pitch here, so. <laughs> so ABC Solutions is a small accounting firm in the Clearwater, Florida area. I've been in public accounting since 1988. And so um, I have plenty of uh, experience in both tax, accounting, financial metrics, and it's probably, goodness, over 30 years of that experience now. Um, and, uh, and, and we, our firm specializes in working strictly with MSPs around the United States and Canada to help them with their bookkeeping, their accounting services, uh, and their income taxes, corporate, personal, et cetera. So that's how I landed here. What happened was when I sold uh, my local tax practice back in 2011, I used a company that specialized in selling accounting firms. And I thought, why isn't somebody doing this in the IT world? And then, uh, so this idea was spinning around in my head for a couple of years. And finally, Amy and I sat down, had a conversation about it one day, and we said, let's do it. So Amy has, as you know, years and years of MSP experience. Uh, she owns a successful MSP up in the Detroit area. And uh, I own a very small, about this big, <laughs> MSP here in uh, the Tampa Bay area. But with my accounting expertise and her MSP expertise, we thought it was a good match. So it's so funny because yeah, I'm totally happy with selling my MSP many years ago, like a few years ago. Uh, but I kind of wish that you'd have been around back then because, you know, I probably would have made even more money. <laughs> Even though, I mean, I happen to sell it to one of my employees, but I might not have. I might have sold it to somebody else. I think that there is a tendency in, not just in our business, but in any small business to work on something for 20 years and then say, oh, I'm just going to retire. I'll let this go. And then that everything you've built just disappears, right? It, it's kind of an odd thing that happens in small business. And I actually have a thought about that. Thank you for bringing that up, because there's so many uh, there's so many M and A people out there that says the the 
the single man shop, um, shop or the you know one person company, MSP company has no value in their company. And so there's nothing for them to sell to anybody else. And I think that that's very short sighted especially after you've spent the last 20 years nurturing those relationships with your customers, getting those processes in, into place, making sure that they're up to date and they're patched, you know, and taking really good care of those customers. I think those customers have a value. You know, whether or not your company has a value, those customers do have a value. And I, I think it's very short-sighted for so many of those M&A companies or brokers out there to say, oh, you're not worth anything, you know, just pack up and go home. Um, it, that's, and that's another reason why I wanted to start this, because I saw so many people getting very, um, you know, discouraged about the uh, potential value of their business or lack thereof. And, uh, and I thought, I can help you solve that. Right. So, so no one should just walk away, assuming that they've got some profit. <laughs> It's one thing to say, you know, that if I've, if I've got a lot of some profit that I can sell my company, but what if you don't have profit? Can you, can you sell your company? Does it have any value if you're losing money? Um, so you may not get as much for those customers if your company is not profitable, right? But if you think I'm just selling the customers, my company might not be worth anything, but, I, but these customers are. And so if you come up with at least a value on the recurring revenue, you know, if you're 100% break fix uh, and you, you know, have no company really to speak of because you haven't built a business, you've built a job, and really what you want to do is sell your job to somebody else. Um, and not everybody wants to buy a job. Right. <laughs> but um, but if, you, if you can at least start to convert some of those break fixes into recurring revenue and, you know, and get them used to the idea that maybe you're not going to be around forever. You may not get as much as you had hoped from it, but you absolutely could still get something for those customers. Very cool. Now, the other side of it is that so these mergers and acquisitions people make us all think that we're going to get six or eight times revenue. Uh, we did talk to Amy, I don't know, a couple months ago, and she was like, uh, no, don't, don't expect that. <laughs> so uh, she was saying it was probably more like one times revenue. Is that still accurate or in the ballpark? So, um, so the multipliers start to get higher as you get further down the P&L, right? So um, you're going to be somewhere around 1 or 0.8 per times revenue, gross revenue, right? And then you're, if, if you're going for the, uh, the gross profit margin, you know, that's probably going to be about two times the gross profit margin. And then if you get all the way down to, you know, the EBITDA at the bottom of the P&L, um, there's an awful lot of discussion whether that number should be four or seven or eight. And apparently it makes a big difference as to what that gross revenue number is. Under a million dollars, you're only getting about four times. Somewhere um, over one and a half million, closer to two million, you know, you start to inch up between the six and the seven times EBITDA number. Um, I don't know who made that up or decided that that was the standard, but that seems to be the general consensus lately. 
right? So have you seen, uh, Don, if you follow Joe Panettiere, all of these uh, stories about somebody gobbling up a massive number of MSPs, um, does it make sense for people to say, look, I want to opt out. I don't want to, I don't know. I just I want to sit on the side during this mergers and acquisitions frenzy. Um, so I do follow Joe and um, you know, is there, does somebody want to opt out? I mean, I think what you need to do is decide, you know, when you when you want to exit your MSP and start making that plan now. And um, you know, it's, I've had so many, I bet you I've had five companies in the last few months reach out and say, out of the blue, this big company just approached me and I wasn't looking, but they're making me an offer and, you know, um, but it sounds really low. And my experience is, is that they're coming in very low and they want you to prove that you are worth more money than that. And that's why they are reaching out to me, you know, hey, help me prove that uh, your valuation tool is, you know, is what it should be. Right. And uh, so I, I will do that for people and help them out. But it, first decide when you want to sell, then start getting your plan into place and get your company ready for sale. So this, this call is not to promote your class on... <laughs> getting your IT finances straightened out, but there is a certain element of why we offer that class over at Great Little Seminar, and that is that people shouldn't think about this at the last minute. I mean, the time to straighten out your P&L is not the day before you put your business up for sale, right? That you need to, you know, have your books organized in a way that I can look at them and they will make sense to me, right? Um, And to, more importantly, to my accountant. (laughs) Right. Well, you should be looking at your books on a regular basis anyway, and they should make sense to you every day. There should not be anything on your financials that you don't understand. It's, this is your company. Every number on those financial reports belongs to you. So, uh, so you should understand them. And, you know, like I said, you never know when somebody is going to come knocking on your door and say, hey, here's a half a million dollars. You interested in selling? Because it is happening out there. Those big companies are getting very aggressive and they do want to buy up companies and they're more interested in the companies that have their uh, financial house in order. Right. And what does it mean to say financial house in order? Because I always hear these stories of people who say, um, oh, yeah, I put all of my family uh, gas for the car on the company and nobody knows the difference. Is that true? (laughs) Like Uncle Sam aside. (laughs) So we do a lot of bookkeeping and accounting for a lot of different MSPs, and I assure you we have seen it all. Um, (laughs) We've seen 10, you know, gas fill-ups in, you know, one day when we know that the company only has two vehicles. And, um, you know, and we see, uh, you know, we see $100, you know, meals on a Saturday night at nine o'clock, you know, when you know it's the family going out to eat, you know, so... Um, you're not doing yourself any favor by padding your expenses. Yes. Um, so there's two types of people that uh, that are going to be in the business world. It's going to be the company that has lots of earnings at the bottom of the P&L. And those are the ones that are going to be very attractive to buyers. 
and it's going to make you more money. And then, of course, you're going to have the people that have absolutely no income at the bottom of the P&L because they don't want to pay any taxes. So which one of these people do you want to be? Do you want to be the rich, successful person or do you want to be, you know, the person that pays no taxes? And, and you can't have both. <laughs> so somehow you managed to get the, uh, uh, the, the right mixture, the truth out of all this because whoever is buying my company, uh, they're not going to be taking all of those, you know, marginal or questionable deductions. They've got their own standard processes about how they do things and whether it's acceptable. Do you do anything uh, to help those two companies like line up their understanding of the P&L? Because I, I guarantee if you looked at my P&L, which you have, um, it's not the way you would set it up. Right. Right. And so we tried that uh, early on. The first few years of Selma MSP, you know, um, I was that person that I was analyzing the seller's financials. I was scrubbing all of the data. I was um, trying to make it more realistic. You know, if they're if they're working out of their basement and they're not paying any rent, you know, I would try to, you know, uh, normalize the P&L, so to speak, so that uh, any company coming in would see a normalized P&L based on officer salaries, you know, benefits to owners, you know, personal expenses, get that stuff, you know, out of the way um, and, and normalize it. But what I found was I was spending, you know, eight to 10 hours on, you know, this uh, on a financial statement, scrubbing data, cleaning it up, and then the sale would fall through and um, or it, because by that time, it was no longer as attractive as it was when I first got the financials. And of course, sellers always think that their companies are worth more than the buyers. Um, so I thought, let's let the two of them hash it out together. If they need help, if, if the seller needs help in getting their financials cleaned up, you know, come and call ABC Solutions. We will help you. Um, we won't help you for free, but we will help you. So that's not included in the $500. It is not. No. So the interesting thing is that uh, I, I like the idea of the one-time fee that basically if I think I'm going to sell my business in 2020 or 2021, I can still pay the listing fee now, get a sense of how many uh, people might be poking around. And I, I'm not in any way obligated to sell immediately or to sell to the first person who offers me money. I can just kind of hang out and uh, figure out how to, how to look more and more attractive to them. Uh, I like the idea that I could update my profile. So I could, I could basically like if I go from six to seven employees, I can update that or I can add more information about our growing recurring revenue opportunities or whatever. So Exactly. Uh, that's kind of a cool thing. So, um, and do the people who, do people get to follow each other? I mean, again, like the dating thing, do they get to like put a little star next to three different companies? And No, no, we don't have it. <laughs> Not yet. Uh, give us some time, you know, and, and maybe we can, you know, dress that up and have a little bit more fun with it. But at this moment in time, everybody's completely anonymous on the website and um, you know, you will only get connected to the people that you want to be connected with. All right. So uh, 
Walk us through the new website. So you've got the valuation tool. What else am I going to find there of interest? You will find uh, our, um, our blog, because uh, Amy and I both uh, tend to write articles on a, uh, on a pretty often basis. And we also have checklists. We have due diligence checklists, uh, checklists for the buyers that want to come in. You know, what do they, what will they ask for? If you as a seller already know what they're going to ask for, then you can have it ready for them before they get there and just keep it updated. It's not something that you have to throw together in a week. You know, you can start to really build your, uh, your sale profile, your business selling profile over time and uh, perfect it and keep it updated. And you will find checklists for the sellers, you know, things that you can do, you know, inside your business um, to get ready to sell. And, and of course, our updated financial, we also have, like I said, forms like letters of intent, the uh, purchase agreement, you know, confidentiality agreements, non-disclosures, you know, we have all of those things. They're not immediately downloadable just to the public, but if, um, if there's something that you need, you know, we will gladly provide it. Very cool. So I know that you're, I'm going to see you at ChannelCon in Las Vegas with the uh, thousands of grasshoppers that are infesting the state. Um, <laughs> will you be, do you have a table for sell my MSP there? We do. Uh, so ABC Solutions Third Tier and Sell My MSP are going to be sharing a, ta a table at booth 205. All right. See, I didn't actually know the answer to that question when I asked it. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I have no idea where my booth is, but it's somewhere at CompTIA. So that's all that matters. So folks should visit your website, sellmymsp.com, check out your blog, uh, get some checklists, visit you at ChannelCon. Uh, what other events do you go to that people should know about? I am speaking at all nine ASCII events this year. Uh, and I'm presenting a 30-minute um, you know, uh, talk on finding and recognizing key financial flags in your MSP. So, um, and it's first thing in the morning, it's very exciting. <laughs> Accounting <laughs> stuff is very exciting. Especially so you're the one to wake them up. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but it's been, it's been a lot of fun. It's a lot of traveling. There's three left. There's uh, Toronto in August. There's New York in September. And then um, Boston is the ASCII Cup at the end of October. Very cool. All righty. Well, is there anything else you'd like to add? Oh, I do have a class uh, starting this uh, coming August 6th in just um, a little over a week. It's uh, financial processes for the IT service firm through Great Little Seminar. And uh, so it's a five-week course and we spend one hour a week for five weeks and uh, there's always new content in each of my classes. I, I do have to say, I'm always so impressed that you send all new handouts for these things. I'm like, oh my God, like they, you know, cause I'm lazy. I, I'd be like, oh, here's your, my, here's my P and L from 2006. So. <laughs> I see, I got bored saying the same thing over and over again. So I'm like, how can I switch this up? You know, there's gotta be something more, you know, so I try to add something new and uh, valuable to each one of my classes. And really you do a pretty deep dive. I'm actually, I've always been impressed with how many people engage cause I think a lot of people in our industry are 
Uh, I wouldn't say they're afraid of the numbers, but the numbers are not what excites them about being in IT. You know, they want to do service delivery. They want to work with people. They want to solve problems. And somehow managing their own finances isn't a piece of that. (laughs) Until they wake up one day and say, uh, I think I want to be a business owner today. And I should probably learn a little bit more about that. You know, so yeah, you spend, you know, you start your business because you're a tech and uh, you like to do the techie things and have lots of fun with it and so on and so forth. And before you know it, you've got a staff of five and a ton of accounts and, um, and you need to start to run it as a business. And uh, so what I try to do is help people understand that business and how to use those, uh, those figures. To right. Make- you know, it's funny. So I do a little bit of coaching here and there and I, think I've run into an, an, un, an inordinate number of people who have one, two, three, four million dollar companies and basically never look at their finances. They mm-hmm. like every three months and I, and I say, well, let's go look at your QuickBooks. And they're like, oh, I'll have to contact my accountant and she'll get in touch with you. And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I don't understand how you can even run a business without having some idea what your finances look like. I don't understand that myself, but I see it time and time again. I, um, I was just on the phone with uh, somebody and here it is the end of July. They have yet to start entering their 2019 data into their QuickBooks. Oh, see, that's an overwhelming job for me. It is. (laughs) It's not overwhelming if you do, you know, if you do it an hour a week. It's quite overwhelming if you're doing seven months at a time. So. Yeah. Yeah. Then, then it becomes a project. Right. So. Very cool. Well, thank you for your time today. I appreciate it as always. And uh, I will see you in Las Vegas. Thank you very much for having me on your podcast today, Carl. Always great to see you. 